0: Christmas Eve, how to travel on Christmas. Anybody traveling for Christmas? Going somewhere? A couple of you. Yeah. You know, when you're packing up, getting ready to go, particularly at Christmas, there's a lot you got to think through, a lot of logistics. Uh, We have been through that every time we travel anywhere because there's seven of us, five kids. Then me and Katie and now two dogs of whom one is giant. Um, but it was, a, it came to us, I believe a couple of years ago. Katie, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was two years ago coming home from Christmas and we're all packed in one car and you gotta pack all the luggage for all the people and then the presents um, and, and it takes up a lot of room. And uh, when each of us, we have a Hun- I have a Honda Pilot, Katie has a Honda Pilot, and there's not a whole lot of seats in there. Uh, we, we did get this little basket thing that goes on the back that, that sticks in the trailer hitch, and you put a bag in that deal. Uh, but even so, there, there, there's, you, once you put clothes for seven people for a week, and then everything that you know, grandparents and aunts and uncles give the kids for Christmas, uh, there's not a lot of room in the car. And so we're driving back that year thinking, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so our thought was, okay, what we'll do is we'll just take both cars next time. We'll just load up both cars, and we don't have to bring the thing on the back of the car and worry about backing into somebody else. We'll just drop the back seats in both cars, and we'll put you know stuff in there, all the luggage and all that jazz and all the people, and we'll all fit in the dog. At the time, we only had one dog. Uh, we'll put, everybody will fit. Everybody will be happy. Nobody will be sitting right on top of each other. No siblings touching each other. Uh, it sounds like an amazing experience. And so we're looking forward to this all year long. You know, th- thinking through it, excited about it. Bought walkie-talkies so we could talk between cars because uh, cell phones don't exist. And, and we're getting ready. And, and Christmas morning comes. This was last year. Christmas morning, 2021, Everybody's excited, they go open presents, and uh, we, we have a birthday cake for Jesus, and, and we eat at, uh, for, for a coffee cake for breakfast, and, and the kids were playing with the presents, trying on Christmas clothes, and Katie and I were getting stuff ready, and I started loading the cars, and get the cars loaded, got the both back hatches open, and we're shoving stuff everywhere it can go, and it's, it's piled up, but amazingly, I'm thinking, we can see out the rear windows here. This is the way to travel, and we get it packed in both cars, uh, shut both hatches, send all the kids to the bathroom... And uh, load up. We got lunch in there. It's Christmas last year. Lunch in each car for each pack of people, going in each car. Got the dog in one vehicle. And uh, we're ready to go. I cranked my car on. Mine, uh, I think, uh, mine's an 06. And I I turned that sucker on and I'm ready to go. Got the heat blasting, even though it didn't need it that much because it was warm last year. It's hard to remember a time when it was warm. Uh, And then uh, we're we're waiting to go. I was going to let Katie go first and I was going to bring up the rear. But they don't move it's time to go Uh, and then she opens her door and kind of waves and I come over there and she says it won't turn on oh great Christmas day it's about I don't know 1145-ish Christmas morning trying to travel to Dallas to see family where all our family's going to be and uh, so we we try to turn it over it's not turning over at all I pull out the jumper cables and try to jump it nothing happens I mean nothing happens deal does not jump at all Uh, I mean if I had been Brandon Gwynn I might have could figure something better out but this was this was an extent of my car knowledge the thing wouldn't jump and uh, so we said well it's Christmas Day we're into Queen nothing's open like there's no opportunity to go to Walmart get a new battery nothing Uh, and so I said, okay well everybody get back out of the cars let me go get the big thing that slaps on the back of the car out of the shed and we're gonna pile all of us back into the to the other pilot, and uh, so they all go in, and we're loading, and loading everything back in, trying to shove it in every crevice, everything we can find, and you know get it all situated. Send the kids to the bathroom again. Load up. Everybody's on top of each other. People have stuff in their laps, and we pull out and we head out, and we're thinking we had these grand plans for a year of how we're gonna travel, and none of it worked. <laughs> We can plan all day long about how to travel, about how to get from one place to another, and then just one thing goes wrong, and all those plans go out the window. All your grand, everything you were thinking about how it would be, and how excited everything would be, and how fun it would be, is gone, because one thing went wrong. And thinking of how to travel, particularly at Christmas time, sometimes can cause anxiety and and. and, and, and and uh, uh, frustration, and stress to rise. I was thinking about that this week, looking at Matthew chapter 2, where we're going to look at, here just for a moment, about some guys who traveled a good distance for a Christmas celebration. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Wise men from the east. Now, the the, the original language word there for wise men is magi. Uh, And it's interesting about the magi. You know, it says they came uh, from the east. It's plural there. It doesn't say how many there were. You know, some people say there were three because they brought three gifts. Uh, Actually, Eastern Catholics believe there were 12 of them. Uh, But we have no idea how many there were, just like we have no idea how many shepherds there were. Um, There could have been uh, a a whole bunch of them, or it could have just been, you know, even just two. It has to be more than one, because it's plural. Uh, But we just know that there were several of them headed out to Jerusalem. But that word magi is very interesting, because this isn't the first time in the Bible that word appears. Actually, all the way back in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel himself, in Babylon as a captive, is promoted to the rank of chief magi in Daniel chapter 2, which is also fascinating. Come on. That's good. We all need to get the runs out sometime. And uh, so Daniel chapter 2, he's he's promoted to chief magi, but in Daniel chapter 9, Mr. Chief Magi Daniel receives a, a, a prophecy from an angel. And the prophecy tells of a specific time when the Son of God, the Messiah, was going to come. And I'm sure it would surprise all of you to know the angel's name, right? You might be able to guess. Gabriel. Gabriel came to Daniel, chief magi, and told him when the Messiah was going to be born into the world. And so some scholars believe these magi who were coming to see Jesus in Matthew chapter 2 are descended from that school of thought, having uh, received this passed down prophecy from Gabriel to Daniel, passed down through the school of the Magi, all the way down to these guys who have been watching the sky, anticipating this moment. And what we're going to see is they see a star moving through the sky. They take time to watch the star, study the star, see it moving across the sky. And after it's moved a significant enough amount of time, they say, okay, we need to figure out what's going on here, and we need to follow this deal. And so they load up, they pack up, and they head out, following after this moving star. Look at verse 2. So they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Having traveled where they were, they arrive in Jerusalem. Now, I love this scene too, right? They arrive in Jerusalem, and it doesn't say yet they go straight to the headman in Jerusalem. It just says they arrive in Jerusalem, and they start asking questions of everyone they see, presumably, all throughout the streets, wherever they're staying. And they're asking people these questions. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now there was a prophecy also in the Old Testament from a man named Balaam about a star rising from Judah that this may be referring to. And so they're walking around Jerusalem asking these questions, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? We saw the star rise and we have come to worship him. they're being very genuine right now, which is significant considering what's next. Verse 3, when Herod heard this, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. That word troubled means great mental distress. Have you ever been that kind of troubled? Like great mental distress. And, and why that is so significant is this man, Herod, who is the king, he's an appointed king, appointed by Caesar to be the king over this area. Herod was a half Jew, having been appointed to be king. And the thing we know about this Herod from history, is he was an extremely paranoid man, putting to death even his own family members for fear they would come and take away his throne, take away his kingdom. And so now Herod, this paranoid king, hears talk among the town that someone is coming to find a king who has been born king of the Jews. He hasn't been appointed king, but he has a birthright as king. And so that drives Herod nuts. He's going crazy trying, to, fig- trying to, to, to figure out how to stop this situation, that somebody may be born who would take away his throne. And so he hears this, and he's greatly troubled. He has great mental distress. Verse 4, And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, Where is the Christ, or where the Christ was to be born? And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, O you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now what I find so interesting about this part is Herod calls in all the Bible scholars, the people who should know the most, and they've all heard the same rumors Herod has, the Messiah has been born. And obviously they know the prophecy. And Jerusalem, where they are, is only just a few miles, a handful of miles away from Bethlehem. But not one of them goes to see if the Messiah really was born. Not one of them leaves Jerusalem. I mean, it's less than a day's walk to go to Bethlehem just to see if this possibly is happening. They just stay where they're at, comfortable with rich Herod, who has asked their opinion on this deal. Look at verse uh, 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, which we learn later. It's been about two years since Jesus was born, since the star appeared. Verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now remember, that's, that's what the Magi said. We want to worship him. And so now Herod's using those same words. Then go and find him, and when you find him, let me know, because I want to come, and I want to worship him. And so Herod, obviously lying, we know that because we know Herod, but is using their own desires to lie to them about his motives. And so he says, you go and you find him so that I can worship him. When in truth, knowing Herod's character and what Herod ends up doing in in issuing a decree that every baby uh, uh, boy under the age of two in Bethlehem be killed, Herod wanted to kill this baby and uh, so he tells them you go find him come back and let me know verse 9 after listening to the king they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was now I've read (laughs) so many theories about how this star did what it did some think it was an angel some think it was some you know planetary conjunction in the sky or or, or, or a comet or something of this nature but everything we know about this moment is supernatural so it's my belief that God designed this star just for this moment it rose just for this moment it moved across the sky in a way no other star did to draw the attention of these guys who were watching for it and it moved to show them where to go and then it was no longer needed. And so they see this star in the sky and they follow it. And however it did, it came to, to, to rest and stop over the place where the child was. Uh, verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Lots of descriptive words. They rejoiced, which already means ex, you know, excessive joy exploding out of you. But they did that in exceeding fashion with great joy. Matthew, who wrote this, wants to emphasize these guys are, are, are giddy like little kids on Christmas morning. They are giddy at the prospect of seeing the Messiah, the Son of God. Verse 11, and going into the house, and it was a house. Mary and Joseph didn't stay in the stable for two years. This is a house where they're at. They, they had come for the census, had Jesus, given birth to Jesus, and then they bought a house there uh, or rented a house there in Bethlehem and stayed put. And so they show up at the house. Uh, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. How do you think, or what do you think, was going through Mary's mind at that moment? These magi, dolled up in, in their accoutrements from a different culture and their wealth and splendor, coming into the house, with Mary and the baby, and bowing down and worshiping the baby. A lot of things were probably going through her mind at this moment. Uh, They Then, opening their treasures, they offered him uh, gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. They open their gifts, and they, and they give their gifts. Now, from Scripture, uh, from uh, uh, Psalms and Song of Solomon and First Kings, these three things particularly are royal gifts. Like, they're things that usually only royalty had. But there could also be some significance there. I mean, gold is representative of royalty. Frankincense was the only incense allowed to be used on the altar in, in the temple. There were lots of incense, but the only one used on the altar with the sacrifices, being sacrificed for the sins of the people, was frankincense. In addition, myrrh was a combination of some resin and some gum and some, and some myrrh oil, uh, was used mixed in the wrappings when someone was wrapped up in a tomb when they had died. It's used of Jesus, actually. When he dies and they wrap up his body and place it in the tomb, it makes a mention in the book of John that one of the things they placed in the wrappings was myrrh. And so you have all of this in representative nature as well as these royal gifts that these magi are presenting to Jesus and then they worshipped him. But the only way they got to Jesus was by that star, by that light coming through the night to lead them to Jesus. The light brought them to Jesus and it was only when they had been led to Jesus then they were able to worship him, then they were able to offer him what they had and if you are a follower of Jesus somebody brought the light of Jesus to you at some point in your life if you're a follower of Jesus think back to whoever it was who introduced you to Jesus who led you to Jesus Who brought the light of Jesus to you? Maybe it was in the darkest moment. Maybe it wasn't just when you got saved. Have you ever been going through a dark moment and somebody brings the light of Jesus into your life in that dark moment and it brings a light that you thought had been extinguished? You see, the light of Jesus can be brought to somebody for the very first time or it can be brought to somebody for the thousandth time. And it's on us as followers of Jesus to shine for Jesus. Jesus speaks of this in Matthew chapter 5. He said, "You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house." And so the question is, how bright is the light of Jesus in you? How bright is the light of Jesus in you. And then will you bring the light of Jesus to everyone around you? Everyone around you. People you're gonna see tonight, tomorrow, the next day, next week, next year, in a month, will you bring the light of Jesus to them? Because you've got it if you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe today what you need to do on Christmas Eve afternoon is believe in Jesus for the first time. Believe that Jesus, Son of God, came to this earth and died so all your sins would be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead so you can live after you die. Maybe today that's what you need to do. You need to believe in Jesus. And what better time to do it than on Christmas Eve? And if you get saved today, you know what? We're baptizing tomorrow morning. If you listen, you can hear the is already on. And it's warm. Come tomorrow morning, you can get warm, get baptized. <laughs> if you want to get baptized you can do it tomorrow morning believe in Jesus today maybe you need to come to the light of Jesus for the thousandth time and you need the warmth of his light you need the peace of his light you need the strength of his light in your life and the thing is as a follower of Jesus we all stumble and fall and sometimes we don't shine very bright we could, and we do that. I, I'm chief among those and and we often don't realize the impact that our light has on those around us, the warmth that it provides, the brightness it provides in the darkness, and, and how it can dynamically change other people's lives when we shine for Jesus. And so in just a minute, I'm, go- I'm gonna pray right now and, and then we're gonna light candles And this candle lighting deal, this is totally representative of being a light for Jesus. You see, I've got this giant candle here. I got matches this time because in the past I've gotten a lighter and it was out of gas. This giant candle here represents the light of Jesus. This represents Jesus shining for us, lighting the way in the darkness. And then what happens is we come to Jesus, and now we have the light within us, and we carry it everywhere we go, everywhere we go. You know, Paul said, uh, speaking of believers, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so what that means, believer, everywhere you step is holy ground, because you are the temple. Everywhere you step is holy ground. You are a representative of the Lord, shining for all to see wherever you go. Shining in your own household. Shining in your neighborhood. Shining at your job. Shining when things seem difficult and rough and bad. And they are. We live in a broken, sinful world. They are. But it's on us to shine for Jesus. Shine for Jesus in whatever Situation we find ourselves. Y'all pray with me. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you didn't leave us alone that even at times as we sin and sin and sin and introduce more darkness into the dark world and stumble and fall, you still come right along beside us, expressing your love, showing your heart compassion, extending the grace and the mercy of which we are very much not deserved. God, I pray that if anyone in the room does not know you, that this would be their moment of belief. They wouldn't let it fade. They wouldn't let it pass this moment without believing in you. They would step out on Christmas Eve, believe in you coming and living and dying and raising And God, I pray for all of us that we would look to you, look to your light to find peace and strength. Look to your light to stand with you. God, help us to walk with you, even as we might get distracted. Even as we might, at times, try to cover up our light. God, I pray that we would burn more brightly than we ever have before. Giving warmth and hope to the lives of those around us. In your name I pray, amen.